You may be like me, that you grew up in the traditional nuclear American family with a mom and a dad and two kids, biological. But we know now that families come in all different shapes and sizes and forms. And in the the clips that we're going to see today, this movie is actually based on a true story of a couple who decides to start a family in a rather unique way. And even if our family structures are a little bit different from theirs, I believe that we're all going to see some commonalities and things that we can relate to. So let's dive in. So yes, Pete and Ellie decide to start fostering, and they find that they have a connection with a teenage girl named Lizzie, then to find out that she has a biological brother and sister that they just simply cannot say no to. And so that's how this family becomes an instant family of five. Check this out. So yes, if you are assuming that the honeymoon phase is definitely short-lived and that they are going to eat those words, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Hang on to your seats. Watch this. Oh, yes. Anytime there are kids involved, there's going to be some chaos at some point. And at least sometimes that's in the safety and security where we can hide in our own four walls. But then other times it does seem to happen in public where we very well could find ourselves being the next subject of the next viral YouTube video. But fortunately, the movie does not end here. Check out this last clip. Boy, I am a sucker for a happy ending. Isn't it great to see this family come to such a celebration, especially after knowing some of the chaos that they had to endure to get to this moment? But we know even for this this family, since the movie was based on a true story, that life didn't end here. It continued on. They still had highs and lows and ups and downs and joys and challenges to face, just like all of our families do. And I think we could all agree that the only perfect families are the ones that don't have any people in them, right? I mean, we may strive for perfection and exhaust ourselves in that process, but I think we could all admit that there really is no such thing as a perfect family, despite what we may think we see on social media. But I believe that every family has the potential to be great. Every family has the potential to develop strong and healthy and happy relationships. There's certainly no shortage of advice for us out there. In fact, recently I looked up on Amazon just to see how many books they have on this topic. And it says there are 50,000 plus 50,000 plus books on this topic. That is a lot of suggestions and strategies and tips, and it can feel quite overwhelming. But my hope for today is to just cover one principle, one principle that I believe has the potential to help any family reach their greatest potential. And this principle is actually in the form of a question. And when you see the question, you may think to yourself, well, isn't that a bit obvious? And yes, it is a simple question, but it's not easy. It's simplistic in its structure, but it can be quite challenging in its application. But I believe that no matter what tension or conflict has arisen within a family or even the external circumstances that may be invading a family, every time this question is asked and applied is one step closer to being a great family. And the question is this, what words does he or she need to hear from me? 
What are the words that he or she need to hear from me in this moment, in this circumstance, given uh, this tension or challenge? What is it that they need to hear from me? And see, the power of this question is that it shifts our focus because our human nature is that we focus on the what. We focus on the circumstances or the situation, maybe our own personal, personal reaction or agenda or emotions. It takes our focus off of the what and places it where it needs to be, which is on the who. It keeps the value on the relationship. It's simple, but it's not easy. Your fifth grade daughter comes home from school and she's completely distraught and heartbroken over some girl drama that has happened at school. And you've had your own tensions from the day and so maybe it's your instinct to just kind of not pay it much attention or maybe even encourage her to just get over it. But when we pause and ask ourselves this question, what are the words that my daughter needs to hear right now from her mom or her dad? Then we may find ourselves instead saying something like, honey, I'm so sorry that that happened to you today. But no matter what's going on at school, you will always have love and acceptance in this home. Maybe you come home from a late meeting and you find your spouse just kind of vegging out watching TV. And you could have sworn that morning that you guys had decided that he or she was going to be the one to get dinner started that night. And so you come home and your instinct may be to start complaining or nagging, maybe banging around some pots and pans in the kitchen. But when we pause and ask ourselves, what are the words that my husband needs from his wife right now? What words does my wife need from her husband? Then we just may find ourselves having a seat and saying something like, hey, I just remembered you had that presentation at work today. I bet you're exhausted. Let's order some takeout. I would love to hear all about it. It works with anybody. Your stepmom has gotten a difficult diagnosis. Maybe your niece is struggling with her faith. Your father-in-law, maybe he has a, a big job interview coming up. Your son just got the lead in a school play when you had hoped he was gonna be the quarterback of the football team. What words do they need to hear from you in that moment? The great thing is that this principle can be powerful no matter who you are. You don't have to be a Christ follower to apply this. This isn't a Christian thing. This is just a family thing, a, a relational thing. But just like everything, Jesus gives us an upper hand in this. And there's so many different ways that we can uh, pull from Scripture to support this truth. But I want to take us to just a few words from the Apostle Paul. Boy, we sure talk about Paul here a lot, and that's really just because he wrote so many books of the New Testament. Most of those books were actually just letters that he had originally written in an effort to encourage the early, Christian as, the early Christians as the church was beginning to form. And so fortunately, we can still find encouragement from those words today. So the verse I would like for us to look at today is from 2 Thessalonians. And these are the words that Paul had written for us. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance which comes from Christ. Now the two words that jump out at me here for this context is patient endurance. 
I don't know of any greater context other than our families in which we need patient endurance because we know that great families do not happen overnight. It takes patient endurance. And just with my own human nature, my capacity for that, it taps out probably around 20 minutes or so, depending on the circumstances. But fortunately for me, and maybe fortunately for you too, Paul didn't end the sentence there. No, it's those last few words in which we find our hope because he is referring to the patient endurance that comes from Christ. That means that patient endurance that Christ uses to pursue us is then available once we receive it. It is available for us to then turn and use it and share it with others, even in our family, particularly in our families. I've seen this principle work so many different times and ways throughout my own personal family and even in family uh, friends that I have. And to share a personal story with you, I, I got permission from my husband and one of our sons. Chad and I have two boys. Jacob is 18. He is going to be heading to school soon, college. And uh, Ben is 15. He is a rising sophomore. And this particular story happened several years ago when Jacob was in middle school. If you have survived the middle school years or survived parenting through the middle school years, then yay you, because they can be quite challenging years. So it was during this season in our lives that I was in the den one afternoon with, with Jacob and Chad, and an argument broke out between the two of them. The details around what they were arguing about are irrelevant here, but suffice it to say, it got ugly fast. Jacob had, had done or said something, and, and so Chad questioned and challenged him on it, and Jacob got defensive, and so he answered snarky, and J Chad got um, upset because he felt disrespected, and the next thing I knew, harsh words and tones were flying back and forth, and it was as if I was watching these two bulls about to head off, and I got scared. I didn't know what was about to happen. Typically, I do my best not to put myself in the role of a referee in my home. I don't think that's a healthy place for anyone to be. Not to mention, Chad and I had decided years ago that any time there was a parenting issue, that he and I would do our best to have sidebar conversations and get on the same page before we presented to our boys. But in this particular situation, I knew I was going to have to step in. So I just said, okay, guys, this, this is going nowhere good. I think y'all just need to pause and take a break. Jacob, why don't you go back to your room and calm down for a bit? So he did. He stomped back to his room like Godzilla tearing through our home. And I was left with Chad in the den. And he started to vent a bit. I cannot believe he, and did you hear what he, and who does he think he is? And he's venting, and I am silently praying, Lord, give me the words to reach my husband right now. So I looked at him, and I said, Okay, honey, I get it. I understand. You're right. He shouldn't have said and he shouldn't have done. And I understand why you're upset, but, but you're the adult here. <laughs> He's a middle school kid. You're the adult. You've got to get a handle on this. That didn't really seem to 
register because I remember him saying, I am going to break him. You know, kind of like he was wanting to tame this wild horse, which I get because sometimes when you're trying to parent a strong-willed middle school kid, that can be what it feels like. And I looked at him and I said, honey, if you keep this up, you will break him. But you will also break your relationship with him. Because right now you are losing him. You are losing your son. He was quiet and I took that as a green light to just keep trucking. And I, I said, honey, if you... If you really want to break him, the only way to do it is with unconditional love and unwarranted grace. Because I know he's coming across like this angry middle school kid right now, but he's really just hurting and he's scared. And he needs more than anything to just simply know that his dad is on his side no matter what. He needs a dad, not a bully. Chad got up from the room and I, I didn't know what he was thinking. I thought maybe he was just sick of hearing my voice, but he walked out and I, I said, honey, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to go get Jacob. I've got to talk with him. And every fiber of my being wanted to, to stop him and say, no, it's too soon. This is not going to go well. But I didn't. He brought Jacob back into the den and they both had a seat on the couch And whereas just moments earlier, I had encouraged Jacob to go back to his room and and calm down, I can promise you he did anything but. Because he sat down and he was 10 times angrier than when he left. His arms were crossed and his jaw was set and he had this glare in his eye. It was almost as if he could have just taken a Sharpie and had written this vulgar phrase across his forehead for his dad in that moment. And I could barely breathe. I just started to pray, like, Jesus, just (laughs) take over. Jesus, take over. Don't worry, it was a silent prayer. Otherwise, it would have been really weird. And Chad started to speak. With so much tenderness, he looked at Jake and he said, Buddy, I am so sorry for those words that I just said to you. I am so sorry for my part and what just happened between us. Can you please forgive me? And I look over at Jacob and he hasn't budged. He has not budged. He is still just glaring at his dad and I just keep thinking, oh, because I just expect Chad to any second to just throw his hands up and say, well, I tried. But it was as if in that moment that Chad could not even see Jacob's exterior. All he could see was his son that he wanted so desperately to connect with. And so we just kept going. And he said, buddy, I love you and, and I am so sorry. And what we were arguing about is not important. What's important is our relationship and I want nothing more than for us to have a good one. There's nothing that you can do that can make me love you any less. I'm proud of you and I'm proud to be your dad. 
And he just kept heaping mounds and mounds of unconditional love and unwarranted grace on Jacob until he finally broke Jacob. And they both started to cry. And they hugged each other and they told each other they loved each other and they asked for and they gave forgiveness. And it was so precious and I was a blubbering mess watching this because I was so relieved and I just knew something monumental had just shifted between them. I knew this was a pivotal circumstance, a pivotal moment that I felt was nothing short of miraculous because just moments before that, it was literally a 180. I share this story with you just to impress upon you the power of this principle at work. And certainly not to suggest that my family nor anyone in it is neither good nor bad, but just simply real. Because make no mistake about it, Jesus is the hero of this story. And I am so grateful that he gave me his patient endurance and the words that my husband needed to hear from his wife in that moment. I am so grateful that he gave Chad his power and the words that Jacob needed to hear in that moment. Did they still address what they had argued about originally? They did, but that at that point, it was a 30-second easy conversation. Was it the last time they ever argued? Certainly not. (laughs) There are plenty of arguments that break out among all four of us in our home. But we know families do not become great overnight. It takes intentionality over time. It takes deciding that giving up is not an option. We have to choose to remove giving up from the table. And I urge you to be careful of how you define giving up. Because it's not always a physical stepping out or separation. Sometimes giving up looks like becoming passively indifferent in your home. And know this, there will never be a family that will coast into greatness. It takes intentionality over time. It takes perseverance. It takes endurance. So the question that I leave you with today, the the question I continue to challenge myself with is who in your family needs to hear something from you today? Who is it? I bet you know. Is it a husband or a wife, a parent, a son or a daughter, a stepson or a daughter, a father-in-law, a niece, a cousin? Who is your who? I bet you know. And what are the words? What are the words that they need to hear from you? I bet you know that too. Is it words of affirmation or reassurance or love or grace? Maybe it's an apology or forgiveness. Who in your family needs to hear something from you today? Can you imagine? Imagine the limitless potential of our families if we all chose to put this principle into practice. And isn't it worth it? 
Aren't our marriages worth it? Aren't our children worth it? It's simple, but it's not easy. And thank goodness we have the power of Jesus Christ available to us to call upon at any time that we ask. Because that same love that He uses to pursue us, when we receive it, it's then available for us to turn and to share it. Can we humble ourselves when we need to, to just say, hey, Jesus, I need you. I need you to take over because it's my human nature to start focusing on the what. It's my human nature to start focusing on the things that this person has said or done that has hurt me or that I disagree with or that bug me. Maybe someone in my family that I just don't even understand. I am gonna focus on the what every single time. I need your power to work through me. Help me keep my focus on the who and the value on the relationship. Thank goodness we have his divine power to ask for. All we have to do is ask. Let's do that together right now. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you just for this day. Thank you for every single family that is represented in this room. God, thank you for your power and your pursuit of us. Thank you for modeling that for us as our perfect heavenly Father. God, and I just pray if there's anyone in this room that has not received your love, that, that you just continue to work on your heart, their hearts right now. That in their seats, no matter where they are, all they have to do is just say, yep, Jesus, I need you. My family is worth it. I am worth it. My marriage is worth it. And I need your help in this, that they can start a relationship with you right here and now. And Jesus, for all of us, would you please give us your wisdom? Highlight for us the who that each of us need to speak with. And then those words that that person in our family needs to hear from us. Give us your wisdom and then give us the courage to act on it. We need your grace. We need your power. It's a simple question, but it's not easy. But it is for you. We love you so much. This is for our joy and your glory and in your perfect son's name that we pray. Amen.